Welcome to Fertility Friendly Food. I'm your host, Stephanie Velarkis, accredited practicing dietitian and nutritionist and director of The Dietologist, an Australian-based practice focused on optimizing fertility through nutrition. This podcast will bring you snack-sized episodes for you to learn, grow, and be inspired by the latest research, facts, and practical lifestyle tips about eating well for optimal fertility, helping you cut through the confusion and myths to take back some of the control on your fertility journey, one bite at a time. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Fertility Friendly Food, the podcast. My name is Stephanie Velarkis. I'm an expert fertility dietitian and nutritionist and founder of The Dietologist, an award-winning online practice dedicated to all things reproductive health, fertility, and pregnancy nutrition. And I'm back with a solo episode today, and I'm going to be talking about salt. Now, salt seems like a very small thing to be talking about in the scheme of fertility nutrition, but it's actually a conversation that I have somewhat regularly with my clients. So let's get into it. Let's talk salt and what is the best salt to pick for fertility. But before we get to that, let's paint a bit of a picture about salt. What is salt? So salt is a compound known as sodium chloride, which are two minerals that every single one of our cells actually need to survive. It is one of the oldest and most widely used seasonings and one of the basic tastes that we experience alongside sweetness, sourness, bitterness, and umami. We know that sodium is important to keep our cells and fluid balance in check, especially when we are sweating a lot. So think high intensity and prolonged training and exercise and or extreme climates like a heat wave where you're losing a lot of sweat, where requirements may be a little higher. However, rarely do people not get enough sodium. There are a few rare medical circumstances. However, in fact, at the last Australian Health Survey, 74% of Australian females and 91% of males are exceeding the suggested dietary target of sodium intake, which is about 2,000 milligrams per day or about one teaspoon of salt per day. And I know if you're listening from overseas, most Western countries, most adults are exceeding the upper amounts of sodium each day. So the reason that limit is set is because above that limit, consistent intake has been linked with problems. And we'll get to that in a second. But here's the thing. The majority of that sodium in our diet isn't coming from that sprinkle of salt on your salad or on your veggies or on your steak or fish after cooking. Nope. It's coming from sodium found in a variety of packaged foods, and that's not necessarily a negative thing. After all, salt is one of nature's original preservatives, helping food last for longer. Think of pickles where they've been soaked in brine. It lasts a lot longer than a fresh cucumber, right? Interestingly, most of us are getting too much sodium from products like stocks, canned products like soups, canned veggies and beans, breads. If you've ever tried a low salt bread, you'll know why salt is so essential to bread making. It tastes absolutely vile. Other products like sauces and condiments like tomato or barbecue sauce, soy sauce, fish sauce, oyster sauce, hoisin sauce, and more. So we're getting the majority of our sodium in our diet from 
packaged foods, processed foods, not necessarily negative in terms of processing, but more processed foods rather than what we're sprinkling on our food or at the table or in cooking. But like I hinted at earlier, too much salt can lead to an increased risk of health conditions, particularly the increased risk of hypertension or high blood pressure, which as which is known as a silent killer, as you often don't experience any symptoms of high blood pressure, but places that additional strain on the walls of your blood vessels, which over time can increase your risk of cardiovascular events like heart attacks and strokes. It is identified as a global priority to reduce sodium intake by the WHO. So pretty important stuff here. So whilst we are about to change gears in our conversation to discuss types of salt and what's best for fertility and preconception health as well as in pregnancy and also just generally as an FYI, it is important to note that we aren't talking about mammoth amounts of salt here. Most of us could do better by choosing no added salt varieties of tinned veggies, choosing lower sodium stocks or making it ourselves, being aware of the sodium content of our packaged foods now that you know what you're aiming for, that 2,000 milligram maximum per day. Remember, turn around and have a look at your favorite chips, crackers, or whatever products you're picking up that uh, even if it doesn't taste salty, you might be surprised. Have a look at the per 100 gram column and then come back to me with your jaw on the floor because almost everyone is pretty shocked to find out how much sodium is in their favorite foods. Now, there are many different types of salt available. In essence, they're all sodium chloride. They're all the same chemical compound, but they can vary based on their color, where it's from, the shape and the size of the salt crystal, and thus that can change the taste and the, and the culinary experience with the salt. So to break it down, here is a non-exhaustive list of some key varieties of salt that you might see available. Table salt, kosher salt, rock salt, salt flakes, sea salt, pink salt or Himalayan salt. And then there are also black salts, gray salts, regional salts, and flavored salts like truffle salt, for example. So what's the difference between all of the above? Like I said, they're all sodium chloride, but their nutrition in the more subtle ways in terms of things like trace minerals and fortification is actually quite different. For example, in Australia, table salt and salt used to make bread is fortified, which means the nutrient is added in with the mineral iodine. So the salt has been iodized. And that actually is a super helpful thing that the government implemented over 10 years ago now, which helps our thyroids function properly. Now, if you want to learn more about key nutrients for thyroid function, go back and listen to our thyroid episode with Leah from Balanced Nutrition to learn more. It's an amazing episode and I'll leave it linked in the show notes for you. But iodine also plays a critical role in protecting the cognitive and brain development of your growing baby during pregnancy. And in fact, statistics are showing that despite the government's initiative to add iodine into the salt that makes our breads and to table salt, because of many of us ditching carbs, bread hating and choosing organic or going for trendier pink salts or salt flakes, we are missing out on precious iodine in our diets, which may partially explain why we're having so many people have issues with their thyroid function, particularly hypothyroidism, amongst many other complex causes, not the only reason. But I suspect that this is one of the key issues why 
more widely we're starting to see these issues present. And I did talk about that with Leah in that podcast as well. So if you're interested in more of a discussion about that, definitely go listen to the thyroid episode. Pink salt is extremely popular and pretty. I agree. I love pink. And many people mistakenly think that it has quote unquote extra nutrients from trace minerals such as iron oxide, which gives it its pink hue. However, pink salt is not fortified with iodine and new studies have shown that it isn't the healthier choice at all. A study done by Nutrition Research Australia assessed 31 samples of pink salts available in Australia and found unpredictability and inconsistency in both the iron and calcium levels and alarmingly higher levels of heavy metals such as aluminium and lead which we know we want to avoid for preconception and pregnancy health and for our general well-being. These aren't things that our body can naturally rid ourselves of, and so they accumulate in the body and can cause reproductive issues as well as other issues as well. And whilst it may have a wider variety of these nutrients on offer compared to white table salt, you need to have over 500% more than the recommended limit to gain any meaningful contribution of these trace minerals found in pink salt to your diet. So my point is, don't try and get extra nutrition from your pink salt. It ain't working for you. And there may be a small risk of potential harm. Now, before you all freak out because you've been using pink salt for the last five years, don't stress, just make the swap, move on. Letting go of perfectionism is important in your trying to conceive fertility journey. I've got an episode on that. Go back and listen to it if you're having a mini meltdown listening to this right now because I can picture so many of my clients' faces with their jaws on the floor when I discuss this with them. So super important that we move on with the best information that we have at this time and take the next right step forward. Can't go back in time. Kosher salt is generally well known in the United States and originally used in the koshering process by Jewish people to remove blood from meat and thus the name has stuck. The coarse particles are different to the usual uniform cube shape of regular salt crystals and so it better clings to meat and absorbs the the blood and the liquid out so it's more efficient at that process. Even more confusingly, though, is that some kosher salt is kosher certified and others are not, which is just wild to me. But the main nutritional difference here is that it is not fortified with iodine, which makes it a crowd favorite with many chefs due to a perception that iodized salt alters the flavor of a dish significantly. You'll see it often in many recipes, particularly um, otolenghi. But personally, I've never noticed a difference in the flavor of iodized salt compared to regular salt, but I'm not a chef, so perhaps my taste buds are inferior. Other salts like black salt, gray salt, salt flakes, and rock salt may or may not be fortified with iodine, but many of these specialty salts are marketed at the Avid Home Cook or on your favorite TV cooking show, and they pride themselves on being quote-unquote additive-free, with iodine being viewed as an additive in this case. So you can almost always assume that there's no iodine in there. And whilst you can absolutely find iodine in other sources like fish and seafood 
oysters, eggs, and there's even some in the salty air that we breathe here in Australia and in our tap water, depending on where you live. If I were to choose the best salt for fertility and preconception health to use sparingly to flavor your meals alongside herbs and spices to pack in antioxidants, I would pick iodized table salt. It's simple, it's cheap, it's fuss-free, and it does the job. And if you're worried about your thyroid function and iodine requirements, then that is something you should discuss with your doctor and or dietitian, as iodine is an absolutely critical nutrient you need to review when it comes to picking a prenatal supplement out and in your preconception and pregnancy care. And so if you need a helping hand, that is what we are here for. We consult online all over the globe. The link to book in with us is down below. We talk about using iodized salt in our free preconception lifestyle checklist, which is a simple one-page summary for him and for her outlining the key dietary supplement lifestyle and environmental changes you can make to improve your health before parenthood. It's already been downloaded by over 5,000 hopeful parents and it's yours for free. So hit the link in the show notes to learn more and grab yourself a copy. Now, don't forget to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Hit subscribe or follow to be the first to know when a new podcast episode drops and share it with a friend, family member who needs to hear this episode. It really goes a long way in helping us reach more people and spread evidence-based nutrition information about fertility and preconception health. I'll catch you in the next episode, everyone. Bye. (laughs) 